From Arcadia, California, The Carter Report presents the living word around the world. Hello, I'm Dave Dino, and this is The Carter Report with pastor and evangelist John Carter. And this is where we tackle the questions about a life of faith. Today, we're going to be taking your questions, questions that have been written in for Pastor Carter to answer. We're calling this hot potatoes, more hot potatoes. And we'll have more for you in just a moment. I wish you would come with me to a land of more than a billion souls. All in need of hearing the gospel of Christ. Did you know this, my friend? It is the duty of the Christian to take the gospel of Christ to a lost world. And the lost world I'm talking about right now is India, land of millions and millions of pagan gods, but more than a billion lost souls. India cries out for God. We are now back on India TV. We're broadcasting on prime time in India. We need your prayers. We need your support. Is it easy in India? No, it's the hardest place we have ever worked. Harder than Russia, harder than Russia. Harder than America, harder than America. Harder than Australia, harder than Australia. Because it is a land that's given over almost totally to demonism. Now, I can tell you about those demons. I can tell you about the false gods, but what I want to tell you today is about the true God and the true God who told us, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We're back in India. Yes, we're back in India. And by the grace of God, we're back in India to stay. We want you to come with us. We want you to pray for India. We want you to give for India and do it today. Please write to me. John Carter, Post Office Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California. Write to me at Terrigal in Australia. Email me, contact me and say, yes, I'm going to stand with you in the preaching of the gospel to the lost souls of India. Thank you in Jesus' name and God bless you. Welcome to the Carter Report. Today, questions from viewers. Questions that don't shy away from the very tough issues of life. Pastor, thank you so much for being here, and thank you for taking these questions and meeting them head on. Dave, thank you for coming today. You're an old friend of this ministry. We love you and we appreciate you. I love being with you. Thank you. Let's begin with a question that really puts us into the frying pan right out of the chute here. This comes from Larissa. She says, please pray for my friend George, who does not know God and is caught up in every vice there is, women, smoking, drinking, gambling, parties, and lies. Pray that somehow he comes to know God and leaves behind his life of sin. Where do we begin in answering this? I think he needs a big prayer. Mm. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> she's just about to cover it all, hasn't she? How about we pray for for him right now. Uh, why don't we do this? Okay. Let me have a prayer for him. Okay, this is for you, George. Mm. Dear Father in heaven, we pray earnestly for George who was caught up in this carnal way of living, which is going to lead him down to the gates of hell. We pray that you will send a workman into George's life who can lead him to Christ 
and to our knowledge of the Scriptures. Bless him, bless his friend, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Seeing this question leads me to ask this follow-up question. Some of the things that she has listed here. God says in his word, he has given us all things to enjoy. Hmm. He is our father. He delights in blessing us. He delights in seeing us happy and enjoying his creation. Hmm. There's nothing wrong with a man enjoying a woman. Hmm. God has given us that relationship. Uh, there is... Nothing wrong with having a wonderful time with friends, a party. So sure, sure. There's nothing wrong Jesus with that. Jesus went to parties. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would argue that there is a problem with lying and, and drinking yeah. and but, smoking. But, but apparently George is willfully living a life that is opposed to God. He's going against the scriptures. He's fornicating. He's committing adultery. He's lying. He's cheating. He's getting drunk and and all of those things. George will need to come to a place where he finds God and finds himself. Because if a person lives this sort of life, Dave, it's going to bring him down, it's just going to cripple him, it's, it's going to des destroy him, kind mm -hmm. of eat him up inside. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we need to pray for George, but I want to say to the lady who is good friends with George, uh, she needs to be a little bit careful too, lest her association with George pulls her down. Mm -hmm. Because if you hang out with people who are doing really bad things, after a while, there's a big tendency for you to start to do those mm -hmm. bad things too. You and I know that this mm -hmm. is true. Mm -hmm. I'm going to come over here to 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verses 9 and onwards. 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 5, I think it is, verse 9. I've written you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Don't, he says, associate with sexually immoral people. Not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral <laughs> or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. In this case, you'd have to leave the world. Mm -hmm. And so he's talking about people in the church. He says, don't associate with people in the church who are sexually immoral. Wait a minute. You said people in the church. Yeah, well, that's what he said. And so there were people in the church back here in the days of, uh, of Corinth who were committing fornication, everything mm -hmm. else. Mm -hmm. And so the church is not immune, Dave, to temptation. Mm -hmm. And church members struggle with these sins the same as anybody else. Mm -hmm. So Paul says, don't associate with a person in the church who is an idolater, a fornicator, but he said, I'm not talking about people in the world. He said, if, if you stopped associating with people in the world who are fornicators and liars and cheats, you'd have to go out of the world. So I imagine that this lady is associating with George, a person in the world to try to lead him to Christ. Mm -hmm. But she needs to be awfully careful. To be brutal. Mm. We are told not to cast pearls before swine. Wow. Does there come a point? Mm. Does there come a point where we simply have to walk away and stay away from that person? Doesn't mean we can't pray for them, but that we have to disassociate ourselves. Absolutely. No, you, you're right on the money. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 
I've got it right this time. Mm-hmm. Verse 14, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. And then it says, what agreement has there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Then it says, come out from among them and be separate. The Bible says a believer in Christ, while he is in the world, must be very careful that he keeps himself separate from Mm -hmm. sin Mm -hmm. and lying and fornication. Because if you associate a great deal with people who are doing these things, you've got to be very careful lest after a while you start doing it yourself. God is our creator. Yes, he is. He knows us better than anyone else. Yes, he does. Perhaps that's why in Proverbs he says that when we see evil, Mm -hmm. don't even pass by it. Turn around and run the other way. Yeah. Don't even get close to it. Never, never once look at pornography. No. If you got a computer and I'm told you've got opportunity there, a million opportunities, don't start because it's the path that leads down to hell. Let's go to another question. This comes from Reggie, pastor. Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 3.15 that the scriptures are to make us wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Hmm. Other verses talk about growing in grace and becoming mature believers, but yet I notice so many churchgoers just fall apart over the least little trial that comes to them. (laughs) As a young Christian, I don't want to be like that. How can I best become a mature and faithful follower of Christ? Read the Word. Get into the Word. Mm -hmm. Read the Word. Mm -hmm. Become a disciple of Christ. When you come to Christ, God wants you to become not just a mere follower. He wants you to become a disciple. And if you read the Word... And if you determine in your heart that you're going to stand firm for God, whatever happens, like Mrs. Vitaly, a lady in Russia, I never knew her, knew her son, who was a pastor. His mother was brought up in a communist village. Mm -hmm. Everybody hated God somewhere towards Siberia. One day, their cow got struck by lightning. And all the communists and the atheists said, are there any Christian here? Our cows are okay. Yours got struck by lightning, you see? Now, this lady happened to be an Adventist Christian. The church was many, many miles away. She would start walking to church on Friday afternoon and walk through the night, Friday night, in winter minus 40, going through the snowdrifts. At 6 o'clock in the morning, she'd get to a place and get a ride on a truck. She'd travel for three hours in the truck, in the back of the truck. Get to church, stay in church from nine o'clock until six o'clock in the afternoon because she wanted the fellowship. Mm -hmm. She wanted to hear the word of God preach. This was in the days of the the Soviet Union. Mm -hmm. And then after that, she would walk back on Saturday night. She'd get on on a truck for three hours. Then she'd walk through the forest and get home on Sunday about nine o'clock in the morning. Why? because she was strong. Now, there's no doubt about it, Dave. This person has touched on a, on a sensitive point. Mm-hmm. Um, we seem to breed today people 
who do not have that resilience, who fall apart. But we must walk by faith, not by our emotions. So many people say, well, I can't do it because I don't feel like it. I don't feel good today. I'm, I, um, I, I'm not going to go to church. I, I, and I'll just, you know, they start crying. We've got to get over that. We've got to stop just going by gut emotion and we've got to put our eyes upon Christ and we've got to walk the walk. It is what we talked about in a previous mm. program. Yeah. A culture that lives by what's in it for me. Yes. So many come to Christ just for the, quote, benefits. And when times get tough, they say, well, this isn't what I signed up for. Yes, yes. Mm. It's, a, it's a sad commentary. I can remember early in my Christian life coming across the, the, the concept and the thought of be God's man. Yes, yes. And live my life mm -hmm. striving to be God's man. Amen. Asking God to give me the ability uh, to guide me, to fill me with his spirit, to help me to be his man and to mm -hmm. see mm -hmm. my life and the life of others around me uh, as God's man. As Paul said, and having done all to stand, stand. It's a difficult age that we live in to be a Christian, isn't it? Sure is. Uh, the temptations, uh, I'm sure, for young people are almost overwhelming. We live not in a Christian culture. We live in a paganized culture and there's an antagonism and antipathy towards Christ and the church and the word of God. But God has always had his men, God has always had his women, and he's got them today. One thing, we have about a minute left before we take a break. If you could say to a friend sitting across the table saying, I'm struggling, what is the one thing, and I think I know what you're going to say because you've already <laughs> said it, what is the one thing you would encourage them to do to be stronger in Christ? I would say this, Dave. I'd say if you're serious... And if you want to be strong in Christ, then you've got to learn discipline. Mm -hmm. Oh, but I'm saved just by... No. Discipline. Mm -hmm. You've got to become a disciple. And, a first, and the first part of discipleship is to discipline yourself, whether you feel like it or you don't feel like it, whether you're up or whether you're down, mm -hmm. is to read the Word. And not just to read any part of the Bible. Start with the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. You say, my mind wanders, bring it back. That's a good place for us to end this portion and for us to pick it up in just a moment as you listen to the Carter Report. And when we come back in just a moment, we're going to talk about what is heaven like and can we get a glimpse of it in this life? We'll be back in just a moment. Did you ever have a sense of destiny? Did you ever feel that God has put his hand upon you? for some tremendous task, that you've really got a purpose, that God has called you for such a time as this. I have that sense, that conviction today because God is opening up doors for us in Latin America. And in Latin America, my good friend, there's a revolution going on. It's not a revolution in the streets. It is a revolution in the hearts 
of men and women. That's why the Carter Report is going to go to El Salvador. We are renting an outdoor stadium with room for more than 60,000 souls. And we're planning a baptism in the, on the Sabbath afternoon of more than 5,000 born again souls in El Salvador, in Latin America, where there's a revolution going on, where the Holy Spirit is being poured out. Don't you want to be a part of this great purpose, this great task, this God-designed outreach to Latin America. Would you please write to me, John Carter, Post Office Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California. Tell me, I'm going to support you. Write to me in Australia. Tell me, I'm going to support the preaching of the gospel. Write to me today and support the preaching of the Word of God around the world. But right now, in Latin America. Thank you and God bless you. Welcome back to the Carter Report with pastor and evangelist John Carter. I'm Dave Dino and we're looking at what we call hot potatoes. These are questions that have come in from you, our viewers. And we're not shying away from the tough questions and the controversial issues. John, before we took our break, I said we were going to look at a subject that is out there in front of us in the media today. And yes. that is yeah. heaven and people mm. having a glimpse of heaven. So mm. here's a question that comes in from Nita. There is a movie in a book called Heaven is Real, a true story about a four-year-old, now 11, who almost died from the poisons of a burst appendix. And while sick in the hospital, he has a near-death experience and says he met his dead great-grandpa and a sister his mom miscarried years before. He sat on Jesus' lap and next to the Holy Spirit. I have read my Bible. I don't believe the lie. Ye shall not truly die. Please explain how and what happened to this boy? This is a difficulty for many, many Christians. It comes down to this day, whether I shall believe the Word of God mm -hmm. or whether I shall believe in some exotic experience. Hmm. I'm not a doctor, a psychiatrist, a psychologist. Therefore, I'm not an authority on what happens to a person's brain when he is dying. Mm -hmm. But I've read enough to tell me that when a person is dying, there is a change in the functioning of, of the brain cells because of lack of oxygen and because of drugs and other things. And therefore, people can see things that may not be altogether true. Mm. Having said this, I must go to the only source of truth that I know in the world today, the ultimate source of spiritual truth. Mm -hmm. And I turn over here to the words of Jesus in John chapter 11 and verse 11. After he'd said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. Jesus had been speaking of his death 
but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. So Dave, as a believer in God and in the Bible, I believe that when a person dies, Mm -hmm. he goes to sleep and he sleeps unconscious until the resurrection. Hmm. Now, I know that many people don't see it this way and they believe that all the saints of God are home in glory Mm -hmm. and the bad people are burning in the flames of an eternally burning hell. However, the Bible teaches that there is eventually a place of glory and a place of judgment. Mm -hmm. But talking about the place of glory or the place that we call heaven, I'd like to come over here to a text. I think it's 1 Thessalonians Mm -hmm. chapter 4 and verse 16. Now, I took a funeral down at Palace Verdes last weekend and I talked to the people about these things. You know, this harkens back Mm. to what you were talking about earlier, and that is knowing your Bible, reading your Bible every day and knowing it. Yes, of course. Because this is where, as you are demonstrating right now, you find the answers to questions. Um, If a person does not know the truths of the Bible, he is a sitting duck Mm. for the great deceptions of the last days. And you and I know this. Verse 16, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Hmm. When Jesus comes back, he comes back to raise the dead and to wake up the sleeping saints of God. Now, if this is so, then that little boy, God bless him, didn't see his great-grandfather He didn't sit on Jesus' lap and he didn't sit next to the Holy Spirit who doesn't have a body. Mm. The Holy Spirit is a spirit. He doesn't have a body, so you can't sit next to him. But that is only a, a, a tiny issue here. The Bible teaches that the dead are sleeping and the good news is that we have hope. And even if we die in this lifetime, one day we are going to be resurrected and we're going to go to, a, go to a better place that is called paradise. What you're saying is that the sleep of death yes. is akin to us sleeping overnight. And when we sleep overnight, yes. we have no concept of time. Yes, yes. No, no concept at all. So that a man who died 5,000 years ago, mm-hmm. well, think it, it was five seconds ago and he'll wake up and... His last thought will be his first. Okay, I'm going to challenge you. wake up in the kingdom. I'm going to mm. challenge you with the question. I can hear so many yelling right now out to their TV screens. <laughs> They're yelling? All right, now wait a minute. They uh-huh. say, Paul says, to be absent from the body yes. is to be present with the yes. Lord. When Jesus comes. While I am in this body, while I am in this body of mortality and sin. Mm-hmm. I am not present with the Lord. But when the Lord comes and gives me a new body, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 to 54, this mortal is going to put on immortality. And so shall we be with the Lord forever. We have one more question. Time for one more question. 
That's a very interesting question. They, they all are. Uh, they are. Mm. This comes from Samson. It's a good name. It is a good name. Mm -hmm. Is the Quran the words of God? The Holy Quran, as they call it, contains some good teachings, Dave. But I'll tell you some things it doesn't teach. It doesn't teach the doctrine of the Trinity. Now, I believe in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Do I believe in three gods? No, I'm a monotheist, mm -hmm. but I believe in the doctrine of the Trinity. I believe in the personality of the Holy Spirit and the deity of Christ. Now, the Quran doesn't teach this. Okay. The Quran doesn't teach that Jesus is the Son of God. The Quran teaches that he is a great prophet. The Bible teaches that Christ on the cross bore my sins, became my sin bearer, made an atoning sacrifice for the sins of all the world, everybody in the world. The Quran denies this. The, the Quran says that one man cannot carry another man's burden. But our Bible teaches that the Son of God came down from glory and bore the burden of the world. Mm -hmm. And so while I respect the Quran and while I respect my Muslim friends, I believe with all my heart and soul that this right here is the holy word of God. And I believe that Jesus is the son of God. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross. The Quran denies that. It denies that Jesus died on the cross. I believe that Jesus died on the cross and he bore my burdens. And if I believe in him, I will not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen and amen. And amen. Mm. John, we've been dealing with what we've called hot potatoes, questions from listeners. Yes. I want to talk about just the general uh, area of questions itself. As Christians, is it all right for us to have questions? Is it all right for us to wonder and, and maybe even to have doubts? You quoted the text before, Dave, in Isaiah. God says, come, let us reason together. God is a reasonable God. Mm -hmm. One of the greatest problems in the world today is anti-intellectualism, where people no longer use what God has given them to think. God wants us to reason and to search out the deep things of God, to search the scriptures daily to see if these things are so. The Bible says, if we search the scriptures, trusting in God, in faith, in trust, and in humility, God will reveal his truth to us. So, if we would be saved in the kingdom, if we would be saved now from satanic deceptions, we must allow God to put into us his spirit so we can search the scriptures. And that is a good place. And discover place. the truth. That's a great place, discovering the truth from God's word. It is a great place for us to end our time together as we explore questions that people have. You've been listening to The Carter Report with pastor and evangelist John Carter. 
We'd love to hear from you. And if you'd like to support this ministry, we are entirely viewer supported. You make all of this possible. You can write to us here at the Carter Report at P.O. Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. Elsewhere in the world, you can write to us at P.O. Box 861, Terrigal, NSW, 2260, Australia. Email us at info at carterreport.org and check out our website at www.carterreport.org. I'm Dave Dino. John, thank you so much. Dave, thank you. And friends, thank you for joining us.